Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Please turn your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Background of the story Isaiah saw a vision, found himself in the throne room, and saw many amazing things. One of the things he saw was a seraphim that had six wings, with the two upper wings covering his face. The two middle wings he used to fly. The two lower wings he used to cover the rest of his body. And there, the Bible says, one cried, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. That was a divine encounter. And you see, amongst many things that can be birthed from divine encounter. There are two very important things that would usually happen. Very similar, but different. Number one is consecration. Can you say consecration? consecration. And that's part of what I was trying to introduce to you in the morning, how that every true encounter will lead you to carry a sacrifice to the altar. You leave places of encounter with a name where you can say, this is Bethel. This is where I encountered God. This is where the heavens were opened. I saw angels ascending and descending on a ladder. And that name comes with dedications. The Lord has led me to make commitments of consecration. You see, children are the responsibility of the kingdom. My sons are responsible for the kingdom. You come to a place of maturity where God places demands on you. There are some people who can go a day without praying and will feel all right. But there comes a point in your work with God that you can no more do that. Are you getting what I'm saying? And you see, encounters, both maturity and consecration, where God will make demands from you. You find yourself in a space where you have the privilege to put your ear on the heartbeat, to hear the heartbeat of God. And you hear words like, who shall I send? Who will go for us? You see, maybe just a year prior, or two years prior, or five years prior, Still in your growth process, in the throne room, you would have had other priorities. God, this is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I want. But there is a different type of encounter where you are brought in to hear what God wants. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes, sir. And it is God making the demands. Who shall I send? Who will go for us? He pretends like he doesn't know you're there. 
He looks over above your head. Who shall I send? He wants you to lift your hand in enthusiasm and say, here I am. Send me. I will go. And from that day, your life changes. Hallelujah. The second thing that will happen, can I tell you something? It is true that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Every time you worship, every time you pray, every time you encounter God, the inconsistencies in your life become obvious. And so even if you are very different from Isaiah, you can still identify with what he experienced a great deal to a great extent where he found himself in that special sacred place and he cried out, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell amongst people of unclean lips. So after consecration, another thing to expect from every genuine encounter is, is sanctification. Where all the folly in your life becomes obvious. And you realize you can't continue like this. You cannot continue like this. The funny thing is, God did not tell Isaiah anything. He just showed him glory. There is something about the glory of God that reveals everything that is wrong in our lives. I use this example so many times because it's, it's a simple indication of divine discernment. Many times after you finish praying, you feel an urge to arrange your room. Has that happened to you? Because there is something about it. It's, it's like, that's how the creation of the world happened. When the spirit moves, order must be, must be birthed. There must be order. If the spirit of the Lord moves over the face of the deep, there must be light. Are you getting what I'm saying? So when the Lord touches you in a special way, It is time for circumcision. I'm not talking about the circumcision in salvation. But you will need to cut off some things from your life. It might be your association. Isaiah said, I dwell amongst people of unclean lips. I need to change my friends. Some of you, as you are leaving this place, many things will have to change about your life. Because you have to create an environment that can sustain what God has started in your life. Say amen if you believe. Amen. That's so important. And you see, what I'm talking about is beyond moral excellence. Moral excellence is very important. But God brings you to a point where, and I've been teaching on this as I taught on sold out this past month. God brings you to a point where there are some things that are not bad, but are still not for you. It's deeper than just moral excellence. I call it sacredness. Aspects of your life that God has put boundaries on. And you are free in his restrictions. Listen, that's true freedom. <laughs> when you have discovered the boundaries in God and you're okay with it. That's
that's true. There is nothing more liberating. On the contrary, there is nothing that imprisons a man like a lifestyle without restrictions. That's, that's true prison. If you take away the boundaries from your life, you will be bound. It's the paradox of Christian consecration. Turn your Bibles, Genesis chapter 2 from verse 15. Genesis chapter 2 from verse 15. Thank you, Lord. There will be many, many miracles tonight. You know, so we'll keep taking it up a notch. After we do corporate anointing tonight, I will teach on creative miracles tomorrow afternoon. Don't miss it. Hallelujah. God is going to give many people supernatural capital. Did you hear what I said? Mm -hmm. Supernatural capital. If water becomes wine, that's supernatural capital. Have those days passed? Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Let's stick with it. I have so much to share, so I'm trying to... As I touched on that, I, I, I felt the anointing, so let's come back. Let's leave it for tomorrow. But say it just one time. Say supernatural capital. Supernatural. When God sends a man, he doesn't give him money. It gives him supernatural capital. Yes, sir. Everything you need for what God has asked you to do is already inside you. Tomorrow, we bring it out. We do it by the Spirit. It's a divine encounter where God says, what's in your hand? Drop it down. Oh, Chineke, God. <laughs> Genesis chapter 2, from verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. You see, have you ever imagined what it would have been like to be Adam or to be Eve? Eve was the most secure wife ever. Your husband cannot cheat on you. <laughs> With who? So just imagine what it was like to be Adam. There's literally no temptation of fornication. No temptation of stealing. Steal from who? And where there was very little 
little basis for, for offending as it pertains to moral excellence, sacredness still existed. Are you getting what I'm saying? So I'm talking about something beyond moral excellence. Of every tree in the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you must not eat. It says, the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Let me tell you something. At the root of every sin is the desire for us to create our own perspective. That's the root of it. It's one thing to know, okay, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad, this is wrong, and this is right. But deeper than that, fundamentally, sin thrives with an idea that you can do without God. And so before, there were many, you know, moral excellence marks. There was already sacredness. And before you begin to fail on the basis of moral excellence, the first thing that the devil will try to take from you is sacredness. He will try to sell to you an idea that anybody who is trying to make sure you have sacredness in your life is trying to keep you bound. One of the oldest tricks in his book. So he comes and he says to Eve, did God say you cannot eat of any tree in the garden? And she said, no. He says, let's read it. Genesis chapter 3 from verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than every beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it or touch it lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be NKJV says like God, KJV says as God, or as God knowing good and evil. Are you with me, somebody? You shall not surely die. You know, a lot of people say the serpent lied. <laughs> and that's not correct. He said, if you eat of it, your eye will be opened. Question, was the eye opened? And God himself acknowledged that in a sense they had be, become like him. Read the, the ending of the book. He said, lest they also stretch their hands to eat of the tree of life. So what then was this tree? He said, if you eat of it, you will be as gods. As God, knowing, meaning you get to determine what is good and evil. It was an invitation to jettison sacredness. How can God tell you what to do and what not to do? If you eat of this tree, 
You will be as God's. You will determine right and wrong. You will be God's to yourself. You will do as you will. I want to teach this afternoon on temptations. Overcoming temptations. And before we go into, into the intricate details, what people expect when they hear a title like that, I want to show you where it all started. It started with the devil creating a culture that forbids objective standards. I will do what I feel like doing. That's where all the trouble in the world started from. And the devil made it inviting. That was, I mean, the first example of marketing in the world. He did a great sales rep job. He said, if you eat of this fruit, this is what will happen. And the Bible tells us immediately he was done, the way he viewed that fruit was different. The Bible says she saw the fruit as one desirous to make one wise. It was all in her mind. How can you know what a fruit will do by looking at it? Do you know that's what the devil is doing today? That's media. Media perception. She saw the fruits differently. He kindled in her a curiosity. Do you understand what I'm saying? The moment he had planted that idea in her mind, he could go. The perception he had planted in her mind would do the job. This is so important. This is so crucial. I've used this example time and time again. You see, um, the Bible tells us about a king in Babylon, Belteshazzar, and he was having a party. Everything was going fine. They had conquered you know, Jerusalem in, in, a, in a political battle years prior and brought many of them as slaves, emptied their temple. And one day he's having a party and you know, he succumbed to peer pressure. He wanted to impress women, they were women. So he wanted to take the party to another level. And so he said, let us use those sacred cups that were used in the temple of Jerusalem for the worship of God. Bring it. Let us drink with it. That's what the devil always tries to do. No limit to your entertainment. Anything that makes you happy, do it. So now, he, he, he's not thinking anymore. I just want to be happy. Those cups are fine. No, they are not for drinking. Is it a cup? This is the idea of sacredness. Some people just can't understand that some things have a different purpose. And he brought it, poured wine to it, and started drinking. And all of a sudden, he saw a hand And the hand wrote on the wall, Menetekel of Asim. And he didn't have the gift of interpretation of tongues, but he knew he was in trouble. 
And he got someone who had the Spirit of God to interpret. And the interpretation was long. The interpretation of many alone was you have been weighed, you have been measured, and you have been found wanting. Many alone. So it was a long judgment. Are you getting this? Turn your Bibles, Romans chapter 8, verse 6. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. Are you there? Read together, one, two, go. It says, for to be carnally minded is death. That's how come they died. If you come to a point where you can decide right or wrong, you do whatever makes you happy, whatever you feel is convenient to your flesh, you will die. It says, the carnal mind is enmity against God. It says, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. To live a life where you are as gods, you determine good and evil, that's death. It's a type of freedom that kills. A type of freedom that imprisons. A lot of people need to understand this. To be carnally minded, to be consistently interested only in the things that entertain the flesh is going to kill you. He says, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So now we are not talking about an action. Did you steal it or did you not? Did you do this wrong thing or did you not? We are talking about a worldview first and foremost. That's the fundamental thing. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's a worldview. We're talking about a mind, not an action. A way of life before an action. And that's the thing we get wrong about temptation. Many times we are preoccupied with the action. Meanwhile, we have created a structure that sustains those actions of rebellion. And that's why we keep fighting to stop some things and we wonder why they don't stop. You need to go back to the foundation. What have I created? What type of environment is sustaining this behavior? It says to be carnally minded is death. So the first thing... <laughs> In the school of consecration and sanctification is this. You belong to God. My life belongs to him. All I have belongs to him. And so he has every right to create boundaries in my life. And when I discover in the word of God that I'm to live like this, I'm to talk like this, I'm to walk like this, is not subject to debate. No matter how popular contrary culture becomes. Are you getting what I'm saying? Let me tell you something. What I'm saying you will need very much, very soon. No matter
that the popularity of the culture that seems to contradict what the word of God says? So it says, what God says I am, who God says I am is who I will be. Amen. That's the first step. You must be okay with God's word. God's identity. No matter who laughs, no matter who scorns. Blessed is a man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the word of the Lord. So, so the, oh my goodness. Are you getting this? I'm telling you, you will need this in this generation. Blessed is that man. By the way, you know, I've heard a teaching that the tree of life was not a literal tree and the tree of, good of, of knowledge of good and evil was not a literal tree. And I, I have much to say about that, but in a nutshell, it is against the rule of Bible interpretation to selectively allegorize, to say, okay, this one was symbolic and the rest were actual. Because how much of it was symbolic? So we now have questions. Was there actually a garden or not? Because Eden appeared to be a geographical location. It told you the, the, the streams that were flowing from it. And it says there was a garden in the east of Eden. And it tells you that in the middle of that garden, there were trees. So if the tree of knowledge of good and evil was not an actual tree, why did God drive them out after they ate it? If you say the tree of life was just faith, that tree can be accessed anywhere. Are you getting what I'm saying? If he said come out and he put an angel with flaming swords to guard it. What was he guarding? Since the tree can be accessed anywhere. So, that, I mean, that's just common sense. There are a lot of other things we can consider. So it was an actual tree. Was it an actual serpent? You're not sure. It was an actual serpent influenced by demonic spirits. It was. But that's not the discussion for today. Let's get deeper now. Turn your Bibles, James chapter 1, verse 14. Oh, boy, 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 boy. We have to start before. Please, are you learning anything? Yes, I will piece all of this together and it will make sense. Oh, God. We love your word. All right. Let's start from verse 7. Let's start from verse 13. It says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. Everybody read verse 14 together, loud as you can, one, two, go. He says, every man is tempted. 
when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust had conceived, he used the metaphor of impregnation. This is how temptation works. A lot of people don't understand it. When lust has conceived, it bringeth forth. It will give birth. It bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Hallelujah. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. If you get this, it will change your life. Many people start fighting temptation when they have already failed. So he explains the process that birth sin. He said, first and foremost, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And if you dwell there too long, he says, sin will conceive. It's an unfortunate reality that many people are pregnant with sin, just waiting for delivery dates. That when the opportunity presents itself, it is what you carry that you will manifest. No matter what you do. So can I tell you something? When <laughs> there is a temptation to do something, if you have already conceived, there's almost nothing you can do. You have to walk yourself back, examine the process, and stop it early enough. You have to stop the conception. If you don't stop the conception, you cannot stop the delivery. This is very important. He says, every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. And can I tell you something? Even the best of us will be drawn away. But what you do at that moment is what is most important. Praise the name of the Lord. Otherwise, you keep receiving the negativity. And once it is conceived, that's all. Praise the name of the Lord. The devil has mastered what I'm telling you very well. There is a reason the Bible tells us that when the devil was done talking to Eve, she saw the fruit differently. That's his goal. He doesn't have to get you to commit any action. He just has to plant that idea strong enough in your mind. He understands the process. Once the conception is achieved, he has won. So the real war is in your mind. Please, are you listening to me? Because the moment sin is conceived, that's all. And so the Bible tells us, are you ready for this? Have you read about the temptation of Jesus? What was the first temptation? I know the gospel's accounts very slightly. Doesn't really matter. If you are the son of God, turn stone to bread, right? And then after that, 
The Bible says that the devil took Jesus to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and said, if you will bow to me now, I will give them to you. And Jesus said, get it behind me, Satan. For it is written, quoted the text and all of that. And Satan said, okay, and left him there. And Jesus said, oh, wait, wait. Take me back to where you took me from. Is that what happened? Do you think that the devil flew with Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple? And as they were talking, bow down. It is written. He will give his angels. People, people who were down at the foot of the temple were like, who are those guys? So, so I was like, shh, don't disturb. They're tempting Jesus. <laughs> Do you think that's what happened? Thank you, man of God. What then happened? It happened where all temptations take place in the mind. There is no such mountain on earth from which you can see all the kingdoms of the world. No such mountain. But in the realm of the mind, in the realm of the spirit, you can. In the realm of temptation, you can be in the wilderness and travel. You know what I'm saying now. Some of you traveled this morning as we're praying. <laughs> as you're praying, you can go to the temple, come back, be on the mountain, come back. You know, go to some of you have traveled all kinds of places. <laughs> By the way, the next time you are fasting and in that in the middle of that fast, that's when a strange temptation comes. Just know there's precedence for that in the Bible. Some of you might not understand it. Can I tell you something? It takes discernment to know when the devil is tempting you. It might look like an accident. Oh, it's normal. I'm hungry. That's why I feel tempted to turn stone to bread. You know, there was, I'll never forget a brother years ago. He had all manner of inconsistencies in his life. And he decided to take his work with God seriously. So there was a church that was doing a 21-day fast. And he joined them. First time in his life. On the last day of the fast, he saw his ex. Last that he had not seen in three years. <laughs> he was just going, he was just going to buy something, they jammed in the bus stop. How are you doing, you know? Some of you know what I'm saying. During fasting, you, you, you just wondered, like, how can this great temptation happen now? Many times that's what temptation is about. That's the proof that you are fasting well. <laughs> if the devil does not show up and try, maybe you're not, you're not really getting it right. But anyways, all of that is by the way. So all of this happened in the realm of the mind. Was it a legitimate spiritual experience? It was. But if anyone was looking, they wouldn't see the devil tempting Jesus. 
they would see Jesus alone replying out. Are you getting what I'm saying? And this is one big mistake many of us make. You know, when we get tempted like that, you know, you see something in your mind, you shake your mind. Big mistake. You have not learned the ABCs of temptation. If you see something tempting, if you like, close your eye. There is another screen behind your eyelids. If you don't know what I'm saying, you have not fallen in love before. Have you ever fallen in love? You are closing your eye to talk to Jesus and you are seeing Amaka inside. Ah, God. <laughs> it's like you know what I'm saying. You will see someone else. Have you ever watched football with your eye closed before? <coughs> Footballers know what I'm saying. There is, there is <laughs> Please leave us now, fancy. No. There's, there's an LED screen behind your eyelids. You know what I'm saying. So you don't just shake your mind. It won't work. You reply like Jesus replied. It is written. You have to talk out. You don't resist thoughts with thoughts. You resist thoughts with words. You have to, you, you, you quote the word of God. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Can I tell you something? It would take overcoming temptation to another level when you learn to talk out. Some of you think Jesus was extra when he resisted Peter, you know. You have to speak out. That's the way to overcome temptations. The way he spoke out in what seemed to be a normal conversation, but was the devil taking occasion to tempt him. That's the way he was in the wilderness, alone. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes, but all I said is for a reason. To explain how temptation works. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Lust can carry you to the temple. Lust can carry you to a high mountain. Even though things are a lot more sophisticated now, I said there is no mountain physically from which you can see all the kingdoms of the world. There is now. It's called the internet. That one is a conversation for another day. Hallelujah. And so, <laughs> oh dear Jesus, what then do we do with these images that the, the devil tries to plant in our mind? How do we resist them? I just told you one simple, important way. You have to do a lot of talking. You have to do a lot of talking. You respond. Because that's one thing about the devil. He used to disguise. Huh? 
He can come like the voice of a concerned friend, like Peter. Why would you say that? But it's the devil. Hallelujah. And so, because we are not ignorant of his devices, you have to learn to spot him. And you reply. You do a lot of talking. Praise the Lord. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure that 50% of you here at least, you know, what you try to do is just, you just tell yourself in your mind, no, 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 no. I cannot be thinking like this. Mm -mm. Or you, you shake your head physically. Or look away. It's not enough. We learn from Jesus how to overcome temptations. You talk out. Talking is so powerful. But the next thing we have to talk about, <laughs> and this is where many Christians, and I dare say the body of Christ, is missing out. You have to create an environment. Can, listen. I started by talking about sacredness. A lot of people don't understand it. In your walk with God, there must be boundaries. Create an environment that accommodates boundaries. You must. Stop borderline activities. There are some movies that are rated 85. I'm telling you, you will never be old enough to watch them. Or let me say 95 or 105. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is the most important thing. Listen, this is apostolos. And one of the things that the Lord is going to do through this meeting is to release messages for the body. Pay close attention to the things I'm about to say. The devil has been working very hard and Christians have been unaware. Turn your Bibles. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. Very easy to remember. 2, 2, 2, 2. 2 Timothy 2, 22. You know what it says? It says, flee all youthful lusts. Flee also youthful lusts. What did it say you should do? Flee. Now, a lot of people think that there are depths you get to in your maturity where you just stand and overcome. Is that what he said? You flee like a child. Brother, so from the beginning of the Bible till now, God's method for overcoming temptation has not changed. Pay attention with me. When Adam made him, you know, made, committed that sin and ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, what did God do to ensure he doesn't touch the tree of life? Did he say, okay, you know, you have already messed up before. Try this time. Is that what he did? What did he do? He drove them out, put an angel with a flaming sword to ensure he doesn't come back in. That's God's method. When you want to 
Deliver Lot from Sodom and Gomorrah. What do you do? Do you say, ah, you are a Christian no? in that environment? You know, make sure you continue to shine as light. Is that what he did? <laughs> Pay attention. Is that what he did? What did he do? He brought him out. He said, don't look back. Don't look back. Many of us are trying to exercise strength in the areas that we are meant to excommunicate ourselves from. That's the problem. Because God's method is for you to flee. Flee. Consistently flee. There are some places you shouldn't raise children. Are you aware? Some places. There are some people who have needless exposure. You know, I remembered something. Ah, it's so, it's so sad that even to say it here, even at my age, I still, and I will say it. Because that's the part of the problems in the church. We have more exposure than we pretend to have. And so we don't really talk about these things. Something happened in SS3. I was preparing for YX, so we had extra classes. And I was so hungry one day, I bought um, this super yogurt, yogurt, and I was so um, thirsty. I just tore it carelessly and spilled some of it on my cloth. And I went to class the next day. And I didn't realize because I had to, you know, Come on, have you, won, have you worn the same uniform twice before? <laughs> uh -huh. So I was neat for that day. So I didn't realize that the stain was there. You know, some of this yogurt. And so I just saw some of the guys in my class laughing. Ah, you know, what stain is that? What stain is that? So I was like, oh, it's you got sorry yesterday. And they were still laughing. Ah. <laughs> Do you know, it was until my second year of marriage I understood. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> so it was my second year of marriage I understood why those SS3 boys were laughing. You see, you have to understand the level of depravity. So now, I felt so sorry for them. You were thinking like that at that time. You were thinking, this is, that's what came to your mind at that time. I felt sorry. I felt sorry. This is where the church has missed it. Because God's final solution to help the believer overcome temptation is a right environment. The devil has created an environment where there is nowhere to run to. 
And so there is literally nothing an average believer can do anymore. Think deeply about what I just said. You don't understand the gravity of what we are against. That God said flee, and now there is nowhere to flee to. There is something we can do about it. And yes, you know, it reminds me of, let me show you something. What God, Jesus said to one of the churches in the book of Revelations. This is so important. Look at Revelation chapter 2 verse 13. Revelations, this is very touching. And this is almost literally every church today. Are you with me? You know what he says? He says, I know your works and where you dwell. Where did he say he they dwell? Where Satan's throne is. He says, that's where you live. Like, Satan is in charge of this vicinity. That's the system that is operational there. Where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith even in the days of Antipas, my faithful martyr, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. We're coming very quickly to an age in the church where this will be the report of every church. Because you have to understand, the devil no longer cares what you do on Sunday. He just wants to take care of the rest of the days. And that is why we have many people who are battling contradictions in this venue right now, listening to me. You love the Lord. You want to do his will. But it looks like you are so broken. You don't even know what to do. And you know what's painful? We just look and observe and see maybe many great people, shining examples of Christianity. You know, you discover, oh, he did that, he did that, she did that. And what we are saying is, we don't even know what Christians are doing these days. We don't even see what is happening. We have to respond. We have to respond. The things that Satan has normalized through the media, we cannot accept it. Are you listening to me? Let me tell you something. If we don't do something about what I'm saying, one of the greatest battles of the church in the coming age will be contradictions. Where in our, in our head and in our mind, you know, we know we love the Lord, but there are just this, you know, hear, what, hear people's stories, you'll be amazed. The devil has damaged structure, the, the structure called family. In the name of helping your relatives, you bring a relative from the village to the city to help him with his education. And how does he pay you back? He abuses all your children. There, there are people behaving 
with a strange level of depravity where a man sleeps with his three daughters, impregnates all of them, and you are wondering what is wrong with this generation. And you have to take steps backward to say, listen, there are some things <laughs> that we're meant to separate ourselves from that the devil has so planted around us. And the church has been okay playing church. Nowhere to run. So I'm going to talk about the first thing we can do about it. There is a short-term plan and a long-term plan. Please, are you learning anything? Mark my words. If the church of Jesus Christ does not battle what people call by acronym, FOMO, fear of missing out, we will lose the next generation. As simple as what I'm saying is, we are coming to a point where we must have a consensus not to accept every single thing that they throw at us. Not every social media platform is for us. Not every tech, you know, you know innovation and solution is for us. We must have the fortitude to be able to say, you know what, no. Mark my words, if you cannot do this, there'll be trouble. There are things people don't like to talk about. But have you ever seen something on social media you did not want to see? Raise your hand and be honest. So now, look around and just tell me. Guess what? We're not doing anything about it. Let me read some statistics to you. This was a report that was done about 13 years ago, so the, the percentages are significantly higher. 35% of all internet downloads are porn-related. Did you hear what I said? 64% of young people between the ages of 13 and 24 actively seek porn weekly. or more often, 64%. 34% of internet users have been exposed to unwanted porn via ads and pop-ups. Is that true or false? 
So how do you flee then? How do you flee? Do you know it's possible it gets so bad that the solution will be to do without it? And the devil has created an idea that you cannot. Now, that's the real battle. So I'm just opening it up as a conversation. What can be done? What can be done? Because things are getting worse and nobody is talking. And all the devil has to do the next level of depravity he wants to introduce, he just begins to flash it in the media. He sees it often enough. Can I tell you something? There is a way our mind functions. If we see something often, it, it is normalized in our consciousness. It is not so grave an abomination anymore. That's his plan. Even if you disapprove of it 100 times, he doesn't mind showing it to you 100 times. Because every disapproval will be, as, will be weaker than the last one. See, the Bible says we are not ignorant of his devices. There has to be an intelligence in the church. That's why I started by talking about sacredness. See, you have to embrace it. A life of boundaries. It's the will of God. How you now define it for yourself as an individual, that's between you and God. That's between you and God. But I won't lie to you. When I ask people, you know, oh, are you on Twitter? And they say no. I admire such people. I'm not saying you shouldn't be on Twitter. We've reached so many people for the gospel on these platforms. So many. So like I said, it's a conversation to have. I just want to put it, all I'm saying, fundamentally, the way to avoid temptation is, Joseph, if they hold your cloth, leave the cloth and run. <laughs> so the next thought is, what do you do when there is no place to run? And I said, the short-term plan is you have to embrace what that text said, Revelation 3.14, that even if I dwell where Satan's throne is, I can keep my convictions. Say loud, amen. amen. See, it's a possibility to embrace by meditation. A possibility to embrace by, them, by meditation. Where... Oh my God, I listened to this powerful sermon jam I just saw on, online by Pastor Tony Rappo where he was talking about the generation of Noah. He said that even if it is your family alone left on the earth that knows the living God, you will, you will still stand. You have to understand where depravity is so common that if you compromise, nobody will notice because that's what everybody is doing anyway. but you still keep your testimony. That's the age we're coming to. Where you say, my son, if sinners entice you, 
consent not. Those, those, those should be your meditations now. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And upon that law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth fruit in due season. His leaves shall not wither. Those should be your meditation. And guess what? We are at a point where you have to take this meditation as a war strategy. You will have to read it to yourself every week. You will have to read these things to yourself every week. Because I'm telling you, perilous times are coming. You've not seen anything. And now let's talk about the long-term plan. I don't like, I, I see. Let's do something. How much is Netflix subscription? 3,600. Let's make a simple calculation. If you're here and you have Netflix subscription, raise your hand. Please raise it up where no one is judging you. I thought I had deleted it. I didn't know I had to go to the website to unsubscribe. So I just saw they, were, they, they have been debiting me. So my hand is up to raise it up. Can we estimate how much is Netflix making from this church? I mean, from the people in this venue. This is not all our church. Yo. Can we estimate? Are we up to probably 400, right? At least 400, right? Do the math for me. What is 400 times... It should be more than that. One point four million monthly. Are, are you seeing what I'm saying? Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? It is one thing to say to pray for the gospel to prevail. It is another thing. See, we have become so complacent. We just see, hmm, see what these people are saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's what the devil has. The devil has sold an idea to you that you cannot do anything about it. There is a way we've, we've been taught to do church that has been designed to keep us small. And there are Christians who have great content. Just imagine this church, if we decide to channel that budget, for instance, to three movie makers, what we can achieve in 10 years. Think about that. If you don't see it as an urgency, See, someone posted a cartoon, a clip from a, a cartoon on Netflix, children's cartoon. And, and the guy, you know, was jesting. He was in the classroom shouting, ah. the things that, <laughs> you know, 
can't say it. I wish I could play it. I couldn't believe my eyes. A children's cartoon had a devil character who was part of the cast with horns. You know, so it's, it's a sensitization. Some of you know what the cartoon I'm talking about. Have you? Big mouth, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to ask you how you know. No, don't say <laughs> it's rated a cartoon. Okay. Okay, the cartoon is rated 18. Okay. So, have, have, you, have you also seen the one that is, um, is about choreography? Teen girls. You know, I, you know, twerking. 12-year-olds, no, every semblance is accidental. I've not tried it before. <laughs> Calm down, I've not heard your voice since. You heard that one, you started laughing. <coughs> Listen, what are we going to do? That's why what I came to ask you. What are we going to do? Let me show you something as I begin to prepare to round off. Galatians 6.10. Galatians 6.10. So, Netflix makes about 13 million annually from members of our church. Lagos Church. 16 million, 17.2 million. Galatians 6.10. Everybody read together, one, two, go. It says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially, especially, in, listen, let me show you something very interesting. 
Never forget what I'm about to say. There is something that the world is using to bait the church. And the world is using it because the church is not thinking. I'm saying it respectfully. Let me tell you something. It is one of my privileges to provide the leadership for my generation. I'm saying this with buckling knees. I'm not, so there's a reason why I'm having these conversations. And we will do something about this. We will. You know, there is this unspoken rule now that if the world is championing a cause and you don't support it, they sideline you. They sideline you. So you lose money, you lose your job, you lose. That's what they're using to bait. So now you wonder. How come Christians are so many and yet so powerless? Even politically, it shouldn't happen. There's two billion of us. What is wrong? You know why it's happening? What we have failed to do in the word they're using against us. He said, we should do good to those who are of the household of faith. Because we are not doing it, they are using it against us. There's two billion of us. Two billion. How dare anybody sideline us? We are too many for that. Those days have ended. One of the most important things you can do in this coming age is this scripture. And we're going to start as a local church. This is what we're going to do. Even though there will be a standard qualification, all right, we're going to think of an initiative. Listen, what I'm saying affects the gospel in more ways than you realize. So my simple application of this text is this. If I want to sow a cloth, I will consider a Christian first. Mind you, if I don't see any Christian that can give me the quality I want, <laughs> hear what I'm saying, no. <laughs> I will look elsewhere. But I am under obligation. Listen, if we lose the economics, we will lose a generation. Whether you like, no matter your tongues, No matter how prayerful you are, we must get this one right. So we'll start with this local church. First and foremost, we have to know what you do. Many of you don't know how to introduce yourself, introduce your business. There are some things many people are patronizing others outside for. And you're here. So two things God is going to help us to do next year. We're going to have some form of a yellow page. It might be an app or something. Those of you who are very good at what you do, we're going to get you on that platform. So at least church members who need that service, they can come there and consider you. You know, so we're going to do that. We're going to do that. So it's okay. Listen, this is where we lose as a church. Don't just clap. 
Hear what I'm saying. No, 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 I'm not saying you sh- I'm not shading you for clapping. I'm saying don't just clap. Listen. Mark my words. This sermon will make more sense in 10 years' time. It is war. It's a sense of obligation to the gospel, not just to drop money in church, but to support businesses run by believers. Look for them. Go. Sponsor. Partner. We have great voices in the body of Christ. Let me tell you something. I, I know very few Christian record labels that have any sensible world-class structure in this country. And so, there are very talented people who are unnecessarily tempted because it looks like the body of Christ has nothing for them. Nothing. We've lost too many people, many brilliant people, many gifted people. And some people still have the audacity to be questioning whether gospel artists should be paid. You think when they go to the studio, they speak in tongues and they, you know, and their work is produced? I, I meant what I said when I said there is a way we think that is designed to keep us small. It's a normal principle of life. Anything you don't invest in will die. Learn to support people. Learn to support. Don't hold people's hands and say, ah, I was so blessed. Ah, as you were singing, I felt my, the, my shoe was shaking. <laughs> shaking. And I heard the voice say, take off your shoe. You know, that's nice. But wouldn't it be nice if we have a culture in this church where, you know, someone sings, blesses you, you just walk up to them, gift them something. Hallelujah. One of the things that will make me glad as a pastor is to raise a people with a dangerous culture of generosity. And I'm not saying just to the gospel, but to people generally. To people generally. When I hear what you do for one another, it touches me. When someone said I was going to school, they bought me a laptop. You know, this was years ago. It touched me. That before I heard of the need, it had already been met. I said, wow, we are doing something right. See, if we love ourselves fervently, eh, this is, is part of the teaching for tonight. You want to see corporate anointing like never before? Walk in love. If you love the person by your side more, we will see more miracles in this church. There is something about compassion. We will not see the revival we prophesied about without a fervent love for the body of Christ. Hallelujah. I know this took a turn you were not expecting. Like I said, this is a long-term plan. 
We don't even have time to start doing, we can't do too many things as a church. Find people who are already doing these things. If you find someone who is doing good movies, please support. 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 If you have equipment they can use, give them. If you have any skill they can benefit from. Because I'm telling you, it's war. I don't even know how. We, we're playing catch-up. Have you seen the quality of cartoons they are doing these days? That's why many of us know what they are showing us is rubbish, but we are still watching it. Say, hmm, hmm, hmm. But you still want to see the end. It's, it's work, oh. Let me, let me say this. There are very few Christian programs that my children like. Very few. Because even when we, as a church, we wake up and we say we want to do program, the way we do it, we are still doing puppets, socks. That's what the church is doing now. You know, that's what we're doing. Ha. There's problem. Oh, no, 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 not <laughs> Serious problem. Have you seen Coco Melon? <laughs> Have you seen Little Angel? <laughs> I know all the cartoons, you know, for obvious reasons. That's all we watch at home. I want to watch CNN in a house with two toddlers. <laughs> this is not possible. You, you buy another TV. <laughs> Hallelujah. So the long and short of this is this. Two things. Number one. <laughs> you must be okay with the sacred provisions in God. Create an environment of sacredness. If the devil knows that if he does too much, you can drop the phone, we all go back to Palasa. I'm telling you, if he gets that serious, ah, you know, someone came to me two years ago, said I'm fighting habit so much, you know. I said, simple, okay, how, how do you, for, what's the source? Say, ah, my phone. I said, drop your phone. Use normal phone. What do you call it? Touch light. Is there, is there a normal term for it? <laughs> Chad, don't, don't use a smartphone. Do you know we're coming to a point where you will have to have seasons in your life in a year when you drop your smartphone. If you think, if you think that you can hold, that's the mistake we keep making. You have to buy another phone, a touch light phone. When it is too much, you just, I'm telling you, real quick. If the devil plants in us this fear of missing out, what I call FOMO, this curiosity, that is how we got Eve. 
if you eat the fruit, this is what will happen. And her perspective changed. Like she was missing something. That's the strategy he's still using till now. Hallelujah. Have you downloaded an app just because everybody is talking about it? And when you try to use it, you know this is not for me. You, you try to use it, you made a fool of yourself. You know, you just know, how, how did peer pressure push me here? You know, but still the app is on your phone. You don't use it often, but it's still there. At least let me see what other people are doing. So as they keep bringing new apps, at some point you have to conclude, I can't be on all of them. Hallelujah. And one strategy that can help us in this strategy of sacredness is to stay close to one another. Ah, one of the best things you can do in this generation is to hold on to people who share your values. Hold on to people. One of the best gifts God can give you is a good Christian friend. Good Christian friend. Who, who can check you, observe you. It's not, it's not hard to tell when someone is sleeping. From the way they pray, you can tell. Brother, come. What's happening? Want to get here? <laughs> Why you pray? Did they pour you cold water? Pray now. Always looking for this easy way out. You are the prey sitting down. Why? Why you? Only you. You are the one always asking, must I? Must, must fasting be six? No, it mustn't. It can be 8 p.m. Why is it the simpler one you are always asking? Hmm? Netflix is collecting millions from you. You are arguing about a tenth. <laughs> eh? How, what are you doing for the gospel? This one is for outsiders. Our, our people are dangerously generous. <laughs> In fact, I've had to talk to some of you that the way you are giving, but do you have savings? Okay. <laughs> I did it the first time, I think around 2015. There was a person I told my wife, I said, talk to her. Oh, she calm down. <laughs> I'm a good pastor. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then, like I said, I had short-term plan, long-term plan. Short-term plan, like I already mentioned, sacredness. Even if the throne of, the, of Satan is in my vicinity. The first time I knew what I'm telling you, 2006, I had to leave my house to stay close to um, my school because I was preparing for Waeg. And that vicinity was different. I was in SS3. A JS2 boy was making me shy. The question was, so he said, ah, bro, how far? So like, I'm fine. He said, so who is your girlfriend in this area? Ah. So, so I was like, I don't have a game. You say, ah, what do you mean? Hit my chest. What do you mean? You're a lie, Joe. Ah. It's 
so so when an SS3 boy begins to avoid a GS2 boy, this boy will spoil me. You know that there's a problem in this world. This is a true life story. And then I went to a supermarket. I was buying something and I saw some GS2 also. Girls this time. And they're like, oh, do you stay around here? And I said, no, I'm just staying here preparing for work. Okay, uh, I should see you around sometime. Held my hand, shook me some kind of way. And did, come, come, come. How come you people know? I removed my hand now. What is going on in this area? Before you choose an area and just say the area is fresh, think about your children. Listen to what I'm saying now. Think about your children. Don't pick a house in a place where on the road, innocent people are passing and prostitutes are talking to them, guy, how far now? Come now, patronize me now. That's not a place to live. Are you listening to what I'm saying? I lived somewhere, you know, and I was so shocked. I was passing the road. And I saw boldly, I've never seen something like that before. The boldness. One old, rugged looking man was passing. Called one lady. I'm not joking. He said, 500. <laughs> Listen, you won't understand. Things are very hard for some people. And she said, come on, 500, you know. And the guy said, okay, and was going. And she called him. I went home, I told my wife, I said, I saw something today. <laughs> Praise the Lord. There is war. There is war. And the Lord is raising us as an army. We will respond. Next year, even if it is three businesses, we're going to support. So it, it might be seed money. We might even maybe do a competition. You have to have an idea. We're not, it's not charity. We're not, it's not as if we don't have what to do money again. We will not just believe in your dreams. <laughs> Understand? You have to maybe have something already going, some measure of success. You just need, maybe we won't even dash you. Maybe we'll make it a loan so you'll be serious. I'm, I'm saying this because, you know, so at least three businesses, we must support each other. And maybe we can find someone, if there, there is an idea that someone has, just needs funding. What a bond it will create amongst us if we can gather together and raise money for somebody. 
and just see the business thrive and be glad you are a part of it. If we get this right, would have, I mean, are you ready? God will make demands of consecration for, for, from you. Prepare. Because we will do great for the gospel together. Okay, rise to your feet. You're going to pray. They're going to pray a very simple and unusual prayer. They're going to pray and you say, Father, Open my eyes to recognize what I can do for my generation. Open my eyes. Listen, this is a very sacred time. You have to understand what you pray. The Lord is hearing. Don't forget how I started. The Lord is asking who will go for us. So if you ask him to open your eye, be sure that you are ready to do what he says. Lord, how can I contribute? What will you have me do? What role do I play? Open my eyes. I'm ready to do more. I'm ready to do more. Ah, if you give me the opportunity, I will use it well. If you give me the resources, the platform, I will use it well. Open my eyes, Lord. Open my eyes. You just have a few minutes to pray that prayer. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. I want to play my part. I want to leave my generation better than I met it. Open my eyes. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Listen to me. You have to understand, culture does not generate itself. If there is any culture that is prevalent, it is the product of the minds of few people. And guess what? They are not smarter than you. Don't always feel like you must follow the crowd. Did you hear what I said? Don't refuse the idea that you must follow the crowd. Because every idea you see prevalent is the product of a mind like yours. We can choose our own way. The God way. We can insist on it. We can make it popular. We can make it famous. The word of God can grow mightily and prevail on, our, on account of our contributions. We can create a new norm for our children. We can. So in this camp meeting, part of the things that the Lord is doing, He's putting people in strategic positions. Strategic positions for the advancement of the gospel. You have to understand that things changed prophetically as the gospel reached the Gentiles. You see the caliber of men that were used amongst the Jews. And it was just for a statement. 
Because at that time, all right, um, the religious elites, they had chips on their shoulder. And God used the humble things of men to confound the wise. He chose fishermen, men of low degree. But when it came to the Gentiles, God used professionals. You have to understand that God used professionals. Cornelius was a man in the army. A man of repute. He had so servants. Don't forget, he sent servants to go and get Peter for him. The Ethiopian eunuch was an accountant. He had icon. So, you can be an accountant and be a woman of God. You can be a soldier and be a man of God. And listen, oh my goodness. God wants to use you to establish policies of righteousness. Believe what I'm saying. Listen, I'm telling you prophetically. And just in case you are doubting, when Joseph has a dream and he sees his brothers, you know, bowing to him, that means it is possible for God to raise a man, not because he belonged to any political party. There was a structure by prophecy to see to it that he was going to rise in, you know, in politics in Egypt. Prophecy. Are you getting what I'm saying? So whilst we believe in hard work, if Joseph could receive a vision like that, that means there is something that God can do. Mark my words. Many people in this church are rising to prominence so that they can influence policies for the gospel. Did you hear what I said? Do you believe it? I want to give you 20 more seconds. God, if you give me the opportunity, I will use it for the fame of your name. I won't go there and start looking at faces, you know. I will use it to propagate your message. I will put my money where my faith is. I will not be silent about my convictions. Here I am, send me. Send me. Send me. Like Cornelius, I want to be the vehicle for the spread of your message, even though I have a day job. Like the Ethiopian eunuch. You might not ask me to resign and to start a church, but I can be a mighty, mighty envoy for, for your kingdom everywhere I go. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I told you, God is making demands in your life. Thank you, Father. Glory to your name. So that like Luke, you can be a medical doctor and contribute to Bible research. He wrote the book of Luke. And you read the introduction and it blows your mind. He said, I decided to write having perfect understanding of all the events from beginning till now. His training in academic research, he used it for the gospel. 
Say, that's my life. I'm teaching you to discern your role in God's agenda for this time. Because we must all contribute. We must all contribute. There is work to be done. And you said, here I am, send me. He's going to send you. <laughs> He's going to send you. Father, we thank you. Glory to your name. We are ready for all that you will do through us. Ready for the fame of your name, the propagation of your message. We are sponsored supernaturally to get the job done. All that we need, you have already supplied. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.